We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Prize Picks coming a Thursday afternoon. It's February 29th after the Wolves' nine point win over Jaron Jackson Jr. and the Grizzlies on Wednesday night. And the plan for this episode is to begin uh, solo, just me, by hitting on a few things that stood out um, in that game last night, play some clips with Finch and the players uh, in the locker room afterward. But the bulk of this episode, and in case you want to just skip ahead, um, about 15 minutes in is going to be a Wolves-Kings conversation. Uh, Brendan Nunes, who, who covers the Kings for Sacktown Sports 1140, uh, will join me again about 15 minutes into this episode. Uh, and Brendan and I are not so much going to preview the Wolves-Kings game on Friday, but more so uh, have a bigger picture conversation about uh, how the Wolves and Kings might uh, you know, match up for a potential playoff matchup, because as we sit here on February 29th, the Wolves are the number one seed and the Kings are the eighth seed. Um, I've been watching uh, the Kings a lot recently. felt like I was just kind of out of touch with them. So after the All-Star break, I've uh, been, you know, watching watching more of them, you know, thinking the idea that maybe this is a, a Wolves um, potential matchup. And I'm not going to be able to give the, the type of information uh, that, that Brendan does. So that's why... Uh, we want to have him on. He's as good as it gets in the the Kings niche. But uh, let's uh, let's start by talking about last night's win over the Grizzlies. Uh, quickly, a reminder uh, off the top: today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. One hundred dollar sign up bonus if you head over to PrizePicks.com or the Prize Picks app. And when you create an account and you use the promo code Dane, you get that one hundred dollar sign up bonus. No Wolves game tonight, uh, but there are eight other Wolves games going on: Warriors, Knicks, and then Heat Nuggets. Or on TNT, if you make a prize picks slate, uh, let's do it tonight. Send me, do a screenshot, tweet it out, tag me in it. I'll uh, I'll sweat them along with you while we're watching non-Wolves basketball tonight. But let's start with the Wolves. Uh, Wolves-Grizzlies, last night's game, Memphis comes out, starts the game on a 14-0 run uh, before Finch calls a timeout. It's just it's wild with this team. And, like, coming out, flat against a bad team is is just as bankable I think for this Wolves team as it is that they will play at a high level when they are playing against a good team if the Wolves for the Clippers the Bucks the the Thunder the Celtics like you kind of know what you're going to get the Wolves are going to 
play well. At least, at least going to have that sort of effort. They've done that consistently this season through 60 games. You know, now if they play the Blazers, the Nets, the Spurs, the Hornets, the Bulls, like they're going to mess around for a little bit. That is just as much a truism. That doesn't mean they're for sure going to lose, um, just like last night. But they are going to uh, they're going to mess around a little bit or not kind of be locked in that whole time. And it gets dicey at times. And you know, sort of thinking about that during the game last night as they fall down 14 to nothing. And you're like, OK, it's you know, still the Grizzlies, you know. Why? Why is this this way? Um, why do I have? Come, why do I know that this is what's going to happen at some point in the game? But also still, sort of feel uh, confident that the Wolves are going to win the game. And it's, it just all of it, for better or worse, is just quintessential twenty-two-year-old Anthony Edwards. He is going to turn up for the Celtics, and he's going to float through at least, you know, a quarter or two uh, against a Grizzlies team. And this Wolves team goes as Ant goes, right? Ant needs something to spark him right put that fire in him guarding Zaire Williams as you know he was in the beginning of this game that's not that's not going to do it that's not going to light that spark and in the game you know for Ant his for the first half at least spark was never really lit again the Wolves started the game down 14 to nothing and they were down at home at half to the 20 and 39 Grizzlies by three points but then the third quarter comes around Jaron Jackson Jr. starts rolling. He has like 27 points midway through the third. The Wolves are down by nine. And that's when Finch put Ant on Jackson Jr. And boom, spark was lit. Game turned around. Uh, here's Finch on putting Ant on Jackson and what kind of happened from there. He uh, took the Jackson matchup and basically shut his water off. You know, did a great job turning the game around both ends of the floor in the third. Um, when we got down you know, 10 or whatever it was. Uh, really, it was all about, you know, his effort on defense setting the tone. And then um, we were able to kind of catch a rhythm on offense for the first time. So. Was that him asking for it? Was that you putting him on? No, I mean, he asked for it. He actually asked for it a little bit earlier in the game. But I was, you know, wanted to just throw as many bodies at him as we could. You know, it was too easy for him. Um, you know, he's a heck of a player, but uh, we had to get up underneath him. And Ant was, you know, excellent at that. His strength, even at giving up size, is that what kind of keyed that? Yeah, I mean, he's incredibly strong, as we as you know. Uh, just, um, but it's little, you know, get up, put his body on him, you know, make him feel you. You know, I thought we gave him too much room to operate. He's got too much skill. He can eat up that space you give him, and then he's coming at you. He lunges at your chest, and he plays off your body, and he's just outstanding finisher with great length. So you got to take away his runway, and Ant was able to do that. It was interesting uh, after the game, Ant was asked in the locker room about why he thinks he doesn't get more consideration for uh, the the all defensive team. And, you know, and what the, the question was phrased and like, what, what do you need to do to you know be on that level and be in that consideration? I thought it was a, an interesting question. Uh, Ant kind of took it in a, a funny direction. I'll play that in a second. But I thought it was an interesting question, not because I think Ant is close to being an all defensive team player. Uh, this season, the like being locked in for Ant defensively is not there consistently. You know, everybody's watching that. You know, you watch him off ball. Um, he's still not. He's still not very good at that. And you know, those things probably until those turn up. You know, he's he's not in this this conversation, in my opinion. But it is interesting to think about how valuable the specific skill set that Ant has defensively is. As Finch put it. 
you know, the ability to shut someone's water off in a one-on-one matchup. It was, I was thinking early, earlier in this week, as I don't know, like Wolves and Thunders fans hate each other for some reason now, but uh, it was like underneath one of my, you know, tweets about something related to Ant. And, you know, two people are going back and forth about, Who's the better defender between Ant and and Shea Gilgis Alexander? So I'm I'm seeing him, I'm tagged in it. Uh and, and my initial thinking was like, okay, come on, like Shea is is very consistent on the defensive end. He's, you know, the numbers bear out that he's been one of the best defensive players in the league this season. But I was thinking about it after the game last night, and it is a different skill set defensively that a Shea Gilgis Alexander has, or even like a Nikhil Alexander Walker or, or Jaden McDaniels to some extent there's this idea of being a consistent defender an effort defender a smart defender like Shea is all those things but physically he's not shutting off someone's water in the way that ant can not a star at least because it's just a physicality sort of thing that ant has on on Shea there that you know is that's that's his gift and again maybe like Shea isn't the the best example you can think about it on this team like Nikhil great defender I think Nikhil's maybe having you know, behind Rudy, the best defensive season on the Wolves this year. But he's kind of like that too, right? He is just going to be give you that consistent effort. And he's going to make, he's a good defender because he makes it harder on the defensive player. He he limits their percentages, right? The, the, the likelihood that a shot is going to go in or that they're going to get into the action that they want to when Nikhil Alexander-Walker is on them goes down. But the difference with Ant, again, is situationally and in just small significantly smaller spurts again like last night he can just shut someone off we, we saw it with jackson jr last night you think back to tatum i mean we could list off a handful of other times that he's he's done it this season it's it's just a it, an interesting way to think about defense and how to apply value right to it and, and measure what what matters you know, in the regular season for an all defensive award might be different than what's more valuable um, in the playoffs. And an ant is just in probably more in that, that playoff bin, right. Than he is the consistent 82 game defender, but it, it just, I don't know. It, it, the, the question last night uh, sparked that idea and Ant naturally took it kind of in a completely uh, different direction. Here's Ant when asked about it after the game. In your career, you would talk a lot more about like all defense and those kind of goals. We see like nights like tonight, like you have that capability. What do you think has to happen in order for me to get that to get into that conversation? Um, I think people got to watch more Minnesota Timberwolves games as far as where the voters are. Um, I think, yeah, they just got to watch the games um, because. It's not like my first time doing this. Like I have nights like this all the time where somebody get hot or a best player get hot and I go shut them down the rest of the game and you know nobody sees it but y'all. And I think that goes into my votes of all defensive team, but nobody sees it, only y'all see it. So I think they gotta watch more games. I think that's the outcome. Would you like to take on those matchups even more? It does seem like you're like yeah, I mean, you use like Especially the second half of the season, like I feel like I'm in my best shape now. So I would love to take on more matchups. I was gonna say is that is that something we have to so if Ant is in his, you know, best shape of the season, and it, you know, certainly sort of looks like it. I mean, the physicality has been there. This is a couple times recently this week, just watching him sprint dribble. And it's just like, I feel like he can sprint dribble faster than any of the nine other nine players on the floor can just sprint. I mean, he is obviously he's he's physically special. And when he's in shape and has the energy to do so, 
you know, maybe maybe because of that, you will see more instances like last night where he is able to earlier or more often kind of guard a guy like that. The consistency of it needs to go up. Then, yeah, if he does that, uh, he has more of a case to be considered in that elite elite class um, of defenders that, you know, maybe we put Jaden McDanielson. And speaking of Jaden, bounce back game from him last night. Uh, Stat line wasn't massive. But uh, he had 12 points, two for four from three, three for three from two, and also had three blocks. Again, not a huge stat line, but he's been struggling recently. Uh, certainly his best game since the All-Star break. And if you kind of go through the game logs, I think you can make a case that that was maybe his best game uh, of February. And even kind of going back into January a little bit. That's uh, confidence, right? That, that was the word Finch and the players all used when they were talking about McDaniels last night. Um, and and I think we can kind of see it too. We we know that when you see that early confidence uh, from Jaden, it, it makes a difference in how I think we project out what the rest of the game is is going to to look like from him. And it was it was interesting to hear uh, Nas Reed sort of echo that after the game. Here's Nas on Jaden. Hundred percent. I mean, I think he he saw one corner three. Uh, he, as he was shooting it, I could just see the confidence in the shot. I started yelling. I think he's back, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you could just tell, you know, he's starting to find his legs again. So that's good. Again, consistency. It's uh, that that's what it's about with Jaden. Um, but that situation overall, the inconsistency uh, thus far, just from, you know, being at some of these practices and pregame medias and stuff like that, hearing Finch, it's something they're talking about more. They're being more intentional about trying to find ways to effectively feed that. He's referenced conversations with Jaden one-on-one that they've been having to try and find more of, that rhythm, more of that consistency conversations he's had with the coaching staff, sort of brainstorming how do they do this again more consistently so Jaden's games more often than not look like last night and don't look like two nights ago um, uh, against the Spurs. Again, Wednesday, definitely uh, a step in the right direction for him, which I think is uh, globally really um, encouraging for the Wolves. Uh, Last Game-specific thing from the Grizzlies game I have was um, it wasn't a good Rudy Gobert game. And it's just it's wild to to look at the box score after this game to see that the only two players on the Wolves in the negatives, in the plus-minus, were Rudy Gobert and, and Mike Conley. Gobert was minus 16, uh, the lowest on the team, minus 16 in a game they won by nine, which means the Wolves won the minutes that Rudy sat last night by 25. I mean, there's, there's reasonable excuses here. It was a back-to-back. He's still kind of coming back from, from that injury. But at the same time, Rudy's been so consistent that when he doesn't have a good game um, when and when he gets benched to close the game or doesn't, you know, I don't know, bench just the right word. They didn't bring him back in uh, to, to close the game. I just think it's noteworthy we're pointing to these because these are the situations. Like last night, it didn't really seem like Rudy had a great matchup. He didn't really have a way to to punish um, or wasn't really punishing on the offensive side either. Um, so we, we always want to note these things. This hasn't been a consistent thing with Rudy, but I thought it was worth asking Finch about after the game. Rudy's been one of, if not your most consistent players yeah. uh, this season. Didn't have that that impact tonight. How much of that was back-to-back versus not having the, maybe the matchup for yeah, him? I mean, there? I think... Um... You know, when, when I took Rudy out of the game, I, I didn't intend to not finish with him. But, you know, as we've seen and you know, 
that team was that team was rolling um really in a good rhythm both offensively and defensively i felt like spreading the floor was important offensively as much as anything else you know to be able to keep scoring i felt we had to keep scoring um and uh so yeah so you know i don't know how much he did play a lot last night almost 40 minutes um and uh, but he you know i'm not worried about it so yeah yeah i don't think this is anything to like sound alarm bells about it but it's uh it, to me, it's worth putting a pin in. Um, it, it's one I'm logging in my mind again in the sort of playoff matchup sort of thing. The Wolves did not have a matchup, again, other than Ant in, in the second half for that type of player like Jaron Jackson Jr. And not having a matchup for Jaron Jackson Jr. gets filed in that Zion bin for me, right? The, some concern with the idea that if the Wolves played Zion Williamson in the first round of the playoffs, it would be they would need to find matchups for him and it might not be one that Rudy Gobert can uh can can solve on his home but uh, I'm excited to to dig into a different playoff matchup I think uh I'm excited for this Kings game on Friday and to, to talk about it uh with Brendan and just kind of how the Wolves and Kings match up overall uh we'll we'll get to that they're here in a minute after we grab our first ad break here uh today's show is brought to you by Adriana Lonick and Coldwell Banker uh, she is one of our new sponsors here uh, for, for 2024. And I'm just uh, I'm excited about this partnership because I think it's something that makes sense. Again, for some of you that are in that stage of considering buying a home or considering selling your home. And uh, when I met with Adriana, it, it, it this made sense to me. There, there was that overlap. Um, if you do have the need to it, it, it's that desire to, to get that home or to sell your home. You need to start that process with a consultation with somebody who understands how this all works, uh, you know, more than you or I do. And um, and Adriana certainly has that. We're also, you know, adding a perk uh, if you do schedule a consultation with with Adriana. You mentioned this podcast, and uh, you'll be entered into a small drawing for a uh, for free Wolves tickets to to a game this season. Adriana is a Wolves fan and a season ticket holder. And uh, yeah, she she would love to work more with our little community here of, you know, podcast listeners, Wolves fans. You know what I always say with these businesses, if you have a need in these categories, you know, keep it in kind of our our, our little Wolves family here. So if home buying or home selling is on your radar, it's sometimes hard to know where to begin. Go to the dancing realtor dot com or call or you can even text Adriana at 715-304-9900. Two zero again. Mentioned this podcast. Entered for a chance to win free Wolves tickets. Her name is Adriana Lonick, Coldwell Banker Realty. Again, that's the Dancing Realtor dot com or seven one five three zero four nine nine two zero. That stuff's all uh, in the show notes below here. So get the ball rolling on home ownership and score a free pair of Wolves tickets at the Dancing Realtor dot com. And then the other thing I want to mention is, you know, it's a, it's a big weekend of fun Wolves games. Like it's not the Spurs and uh, and Grizzlies as it as it has been thus far this week. We Kings on Friday night and the the Clippers on Sunday. And if you are not going to Target Center for those games, those are fun ones to go out, you know, and and watch uh, with friends or just other Wolves fans at Falling Knife Brewing Company. The Friday and Saturday games are particularly you know, well attended there, more in the the pub style, uh, you know, viewing of the game. So Friday Night Kings, 
uh, the Clippers. That's a matinee game, 2.30 on Sunday, a little Sunday fun day at, uh, at Falling Knife. And they're actually having a 70s-themed trivia mafia right after the Wolves game from 5 to 9 on Sunday, too. So you can make a you can make a day out of it. Or, you know, also, if you're, you're not wanting to drink or you don't drink, they have non-alcoholic beverages there. And they have just uh, started making their own THC beverages that you can buy in the tap room. That's something they're excited about right now, too. They're actually having a THC uh, beverage release party at Lit, the old Liquor Lyles uh, in Uptown. That's Sunday at 2 o'clock, so you can pop over there. Um, that's $5 for anything Falling Knife at that at that party. And then maybe, you know, go over to Falling Knife to, to watch the game. Uh, just as always, Falling Knife, if you are wanting to go out to, to watch a Wolves game, um, that's the place to do it. Falling Knife Brewing Company in Northeast Minneapolis. All right, let's bring in Brendan Nunes from Sacktown Sports. We are now joined by Brendan Nunes, who's as good as it gets on the Kings beat. He writes for Sacktown Sports 1140. You can follow him on Twitter at Brendan Nunes NBA. I'm sure I'll tag that in the tweet for this episode in my feed. Uh, Brendan, I've been a Kings fan this week. Uh, I was looking at the standings coming out of the all-star break and it's like, I should probably be like considering who the, the Wolves first round matchup, uh, was or, or is, or will be and sitting at eight, uh, though really not that far away from the five seed, uh, was, is the Sacramento Kings today as we're recording this February 29th, they are the eight, uh, right now. And the, the Wolves are the one. So I've been watching them. Um, which is, it's always fun. Like when, you know, you got that week where you're like, Oh, I kind of like know this team. And then you go talk to somebody else who knows them every single day. And I'm like, okay, I don't actually know, uh, that much about them, but I'm excited to talk about this, uh, in, in the context of more of a, a playoff preview and, uh, you know, less so of a game preview for tomorrow, but thank you for making this happen. Know you're busy. How are you? No problem. I'm doing great. I'm on the Dane Moore NBA podcast, man. I'm I'm feeling like Kobe in the fourth quarter out here, you know. Or may, maybe maybe we go LeBron in the fourth quarter yeah, after last, last night. night. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I'm doing good, man. I appreciate you uh, having me on. I've also been trying to like, okay, I should key in on these top four teams. Yeah, a little bit more. And Minnesota has been my one over the last uh, couple days here that I've been really trying to focus in on. So solid timing. Who do you think the best matchup for the Kings out of those four is like? you're like okay i mean i I know you're a a reporter you're not like but if you're the kings and you want to win who do you want to get of those four yeah i mean i think it's okc and i kind of think everybody's gonna pick okc i don't know the 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 clippers are in there too for sure they're not looking good recently no they they have not i still worry about their like ability to abuse mismatches and i think that's one of the king's really big weaknesses kevin herter and malik monk or throw harrison barnes sometimes keegan murray is a mismatch as well for some of these teams. And I think OKC, like the Chet and Sabonis matchup is really interesting to me. I think both guys just have advantages over each other offensively. It's the type of guy that Domas does well against, uh, using his weight, his physicality, finding ways to score around the basket and sort of making plays for his teammates from there. And then on the other end, obviously Chet kind of can pull him out. And I think Gordon Hayward's a really big too especially those closing lineups without Giddy, you have full spacing out there. There's no place that you can hide a Kevin Herter from Sacramento's perspective. So, I mean, it's definitely OKC or the Clippers. 
And yeah, I, I really don't like Denver and Minnesota size, man. And the more I've watched them these last couple of weeks, like I, I know the defense is crazy, but I can't help but every game be like, God, this is ridiculous. Like, is Alex Len going to have to play against the Wolves in the playoff series? Yeah, like that? I think so. Like, I kind of don't hate the idea of Trey Lyles and you just try to lean into your offense. But yeah. I think it has to be Alex Len. Like, JaVale McGee has not been very good this year, which people were very excited about JaVale coming into the year. Kind of surprised me considering what happened last year in Dallas on a team that really needed a big. But I think it's Alex Len at that back of five. I do remember last year, though, like the big Trey Lyles at the back of five game was when Sabonis fouled out in Minnesota and then Trey had a big fifth quarter or uh, overtime period pulling Gobert out the paint. But that this year, work. it's just been you only go to Trey Lyles like reactionary to match another small ball lineup. So my guess would be Alex Len. And I actually don't mind Alex Len. Like, I, I think that he's a serviceable backup. He's, he's big. He's certainly he definitely a, is. A, a big body. Um, you know, you talk about the the Sabonis Chet matchup there. I think the Sabonis Gobert one is is really interesting in in this matchup in particular. I was before I brought you on, we were talking a little bit about um the Wolves played the Grizzlies last night. Didn't really have an answer for Jaron Jackson Jr. That's kind of like their thing that they don't have an answer for. Kind of that playmaking scoring for like in the Wolves fan base, there's sort of this like fear of like, you know, not want to play the Pelicans because who's going to guard Zion? Um, not that, not that they, you know, I don't think Wolves fans necessarily think they're going to lose the Pelicans, but that's right. sort of the, you know, the pain point in, in that matchup. And Jaron Jackson Jr. sort of emulated that last night. Sabonis is a five, but there's a lot of, a, a lot of similarity in that, that Gobert is not an answer for Zion and isn't an answer for Jaron Jackson Jr., what he is a weapon at and the best weapon there is at is like you said with Giddy, ignore Giddy. Good luck scoring at the rim when the Wolves have those other four defenders and Rudy's coming there uh, to lurk. But his weakness, I think, if we are picking nits of the defensive player of the year, it is in kind of these pick and roll situations where or any sort of situation where Rudy's like, All right, I need to guard this guy from 15 to the rim. And the floor is spread around them. That can be in an isolation type situation. But where it happens with the Kings most is when they spread the floor and they just get into that pick and roll game and it goes to Doma sort of in the like play, play in the play from the nail down. And um, in isolation, Rudy's not going to shut that water off um, against against Sabonis there. And that presents an interesting sort of, you know, layout for the Wolves because I'm not really sure how else they go about guarding Domas in in that sort of way. So broadly, I mean my my view on this series is the Wolves are more talented. Um if we want to list Kings weaknesses, we want to make a pro like a, a list of the two. The 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 Kings list is longer. I'm more interested in looking at the ways in which um the Wolves can or the, the Kings can hurt the Wolves. And I think the Sabonis Gobert one is, is kind of at the, the top of my list. How do you think about that matchup? Yeah, it's interesting to me because I feel like often this year, it's like, I wish that Sabonis would just try to be a little bit more aggressive as a scorer. And I know that, you know, that's not his best skill. And part of what makes him so good is his unselfishness. But I think that sometimes they could benefit from it. Last night, they play the Nuggets. No De'Aaron Fox. He takes 
I think it's eight shots in that game. Um, no, sorry, I'm thinking of the Miami game. But yeah. he he got up a good amount of shots in the Denver game. They're just not going down at a great rate. Like these hook shots are he's efficient when he gets to them, but it just doesn't happen all that often. And I don't think that it's something Sacramento is the most comfortable with going to this like free flowing offense, those DHOs that you kind of right. mentioned, um, really freelance. And they they want to be unpredictable offensively. And part of it is being so read and reactionary rather than having set plays is is the formula to that. But I do think that there are there are pros and cons that sometimes you have games where you accomplish that. But then at other times, say you do have a matchup that you like, they try to find ways to abuse that in the flow of the offense. But I think sometimes you could just be a little bit more black and white, like just just try to get to this because this is where the advantage is and then make plays from there. So I don't I, I definitely get what you're saying, but I don't feel great from Sacramento's perspective sure. coming into a series thinking like, OK, Domas has got to be a scorer this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's like the that's the classic thing when you're the looking at it from the one side to the eight side, you do like right. the, the jaded of like, oh, how could it, you know, how could it go wrong? Um, and you know, to be fair, I, I I think that like that Spurs game and maybe Domas was kind of sick or something coming out of yeah. it. Um, and just broadly in the three games I've watched since the All-Star break, it's like, OK, do you, you just don't shoot jump shots anymore? Like, is that? Nope, not really. Because um, that might just be an answer with Gobert there, right? It's just deep. You just play that drop deep if they're going DHL, if it's, you know, if it's Fox, because, you know, yeah, then like Fox can kind of take that pull up three somewhat uncontested but they don't really have like that's not really his game maybe monk could get to that a little I, bit more I think there fox monk and, and murray are the three for me that could do that and keegan it's still like a process you don't know necessarily if it's going to go great any given night but those are definitely the three does keegan do that like a top the key spread pick and roll like yeah i mean that? it's definitely more like dho rather than traditional pick okay. and roll right but yeah they're doing that a little bit more this year it he played one-on-one -on -one with De'Aaron Fox like all offseason they have a good relationship and it's funny you can kind of see him try to almost emulate some of De'Aaron's moves and they can look a little awkward with like a hard plant when you're a six eight guy compared yeah. to someone six three and as quick as De'Aaron but he, he's playing with it a little bit more one two dribbles mid-range floater and things like that I want to talk about him more in a, a little bit but you want to just like kind of go back and forth of like different things that make us uh Let's I guess could, concerned about the matchup so I, I took Sabonis potentially being able to hurt Gobert, which he did do. Like that, that happened. Um, I think in the most recent game uh, against the Wolves, where you were like, oh, "Okay, that that might be an issue." What issue? I mean, you mentioned the size, but but what issue is top of the list for you when when you think about a Kings playoffs series um, and you know going against these Wolves? Yeah, I mean, I think that the Kings defense is just they're very similar to what they were last year. They're a team that is that makes their money on the offensive end. But there's a clear emphasis on we need to be better defensively. The whole thing this year is, you know, regular season obviously does matter here, but we're playing for the playoffs. And that's part of the unpredictable offense, hmm. the emphasis on defense, even if that's meant sacrificing the offense a little throughout this regular season. Um, but they don't really have the personnel for it. I think I still think this team goes as far as their offense takes them when it comes down to it. Hmm. And I, I do think that they're going to have nights where they're going to be able to score. It's really Sacramento's defense for me where they're the worst three-point defense team in the league. And some of that's bad luck. They're like, you know, bottom 10 in the amount of wide open threes they give up. But 
easily top percentage. Yeah, they're some, scrambling though. Like that's what the, the more you scramble, the the lower the you know the the percentage goes. It's it's kind of like almost b- baked into the plan. I mean, it's how the Wolves played defense before they got Gobert, and it was right. the it was the same thing. It's like Just junk it up. Yeah, yeah, and and then at times when you're junking it up, you're just gonna leave somebody wide open, you know. Right. And and if you have a point guard who can kind of pick that apart, find the guys in the corner, that's when I've seen like the Kings defense just kind of like deflate. And it's like we're trying hard. Like look at us, we're trying hard. But it's the the, the thing I guess related to that with the defense um, for me that that makes me a, a little bit worried about it from a Wolves perspective is. Wolves have like the third highest turnover rate in the league. And when I watch the Kings, they look obsessed with playing passing lanes and deflections and, and, and all of that sort of stuff with, with, you know, gap help and just making it difficult for in this series for, you know, Ant, um, or if it's, you know, Mike Conley trying to get in, even Nas Reed off the bench, trying like they are going to, the Kings do not have great defensive personnel, but they are going to harass the hell out of whoever they play. Uh, night today, or at least their best defensive games are going to do that. You think about the playoffs, all right? Like the energy is probably going to be there to be able to do that. Yeah, and I think that like Minnesota, obviously, like you mentioned, turnovers or late game execution, or it kind of seeming to get to a little. All right, what can, can Ant get a bucket this possession, or can Cat do it? I th- that is definitely my biggest question because I think there's going to be nights where Minnesota might shoot themselves in the foot a little bit, or you know. Oh, yeah partial credit also to Sacramento's junk it up defense kind of like we're talking about there's going to be other nights where it's like this is where you probably should be making it a close game is by taking advantage of some of their um, more stagnant offense but instead you know somebody falls asleep on on the weak side and they get an easy three right. wolves is you know top two and three point percentage this year just so many threats ridiculous roster by the way there's like very few teams you watch in the league that everybody checks in and you're just like god now this guy now this guy it's ridiculous um but that minnesota's offense and sacramento's defense is definitely like the most intriguing aspect of this to me yeah no i i I would i would agree with that for sure it's i mean and the, the wolves are still just like an average offensive team so i think if you are the kings you're like well, we can just kind of like play our version of decent defense. You know, maybe that won't be a, a huge win uh, for the Wolves there. Yeah. And, and I think they're just going to get like Kevin Herter these last two games, for example, hunted, hunted yeah, nonstop. Game was, Dude, Bam or Bam Adebayo, Jaime Hawkins, whoever it is, hunting Herter. Um, last night, you saw Jamal Murray just mm-hmm. hunting Kevin Herter. And actually, after that game, Herter, you know, had some comments about, you know, I wish I was out there more mm. and which is an interesting little wrinkle here. But that's a mismatch. I mean, I think that obviously Kat's going to have some mismatches as well, even if he goes about it a little bit of a different way. Right. I think you start with Keegan on Ant. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. You get you get Malik switched on to him. You get Kevin switched on to him. Like, I'm not feeling good about that one. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about. I mean, if they just go with their normal starting lineup, like the hiding place, quote unquote, for the Wolves offense is Jaden McDaniels. Um, that's where I would assume our tomorrow night, I'm assuming Herter will will take that there. And then yeah. it kind of becomes one of these. Jaden's just like got a big FU energy to when like, like the Hawks will put like Trey Young on him and he'll be like, OK, not like. But. Herders, what is he six seven? You know, it's not like yeah. it's not like it's he's not a great defender, but he's not just like a put him in the basket 
uh, sort of guy there. So I think it's, you know, that that that's interesting there. Maybe Wolves fans don't know how good defensively Keegan Murray and the step he's made on, on that side of the floor has, has been this year. Probably have him on Ant. The cat one, and maybe this will be my next thing, but we, we could talk about it from the Kings defensive side of it. Like they don't have, they're going to need to double him in the post if the Wolves do that, which is this sort of double-edged sword thing for for Cat in general and has been. I think he's gotten a little bit better about kind of like keeping his cool, kicking it out once two gets there. But, I mean, that's what they probably put Harrison Barnes on him, yeah. try and bring the double there, and, and Carl's going to need to have that, like, ability to read, you know, read getting off the ball or going through it decisively and quickly. Like, this, this team... It, this, the Kings as a matchup for for the Wolves is so much to me about Cat being fast in decision makings on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. As much of an advantage he has against maybe Harrison Barnes or you know some other sort of wing guarding him in in the post on offense, he's going to need to chase on on the other side of the floor. And the Wolves have played the Kings twice this season. The Wolves lost the game that Cat played in. And they won the game that Cat sat out. And I think it was because part of that, like that, that is another sort of concern I have about a Kings matchup is how it forces Cat to chase and the way in which the Kings offense sort of naturally wants to do that. Maybe you can help like describe what the Kings offense looks like and specifically how they'll make Cat or even Nas, you know, when he's coming in there, really move uh, against wing type players. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous pace, first of all. Like, that was a big emphasis last year and continues to be one this year, specifically post-All-Star break, even an additional emphasis on that. And, excuse me, sorry. You're good. But, um, yeah, I mean, turnovers are obviously going to play a factor there. But when you get to the half court, it's just shooters are sprinting to the corners. Yeah. And from there, um, a whole lot of ball reversals and, and DHOs, really, through DeMontis Sabonis. So you have Kevin Herter in that corner. and. Or, or even Harrison Barnes for in the cat situation, cat's kind of got to be right up on him as he's going to come off that screen and be able to trail. And you play that wrong. The Kings are good about back cutting and taking advantage of that and, and co- sort of keeping the action flowing throughout all of that. But it really, it's a lot of coming off of DHOs with Sabonis. And if a guy takes it, paint touches, spray threes, trying to find um, weak side shooters as help defenders are coming in and things like that. But Cat getting through screens, like you're saying, is definitely going to be a big aspect here. But Harrison Barnes also will need to be aggressive. Yeah. Again, part of this free-flowing offense is that there's so many nights where it's like, gosh, you probably could have gone to Keegan a little bit more. Or early this year, Harrison wasn't doing much. And then as he picks it up, Keegan slows down because there's just only so much. It feels like like coming into the game, it can be it's who's going to have the aggressive mindset tonight. And there's so much variance there in Sacramento's offense. The Wolves are great at defending in isolation, like heavy isolation team. I mean, the Celtics, they played really tough. Um, the Thunder a little bit more once they figured them out a little bit, played them a couple of times. They're like, okay, this is a drive and kick type of team, which is kind of like an isolation team. The Clippers, the Wolves have played really well. How often, like, where where do the Kings rank in terms of, like, isolation frequency? Would that be, like, bottom half of the league? Yeah, it's got to be towards the bottom. I haven't looked at the number recently, but it, it's not happening very often, you know. There will be moments where, 
they'll set a punch screen and try to get a random post up for Harrison Barnes or mm-hmm. or De'Aaron or things like that. But it, it is very rare that you're seeing any sort of of isolation. I, I think Mike Brown's big big thing offensively is just not being predictable. Mm-hmm. I think, and it, it's it looks just like the Warriors yeah. from a couple of years ago, just with very different personnel, but isolation is not happening that much even traditional pick and roll i know i know dho is sort of functions as the same but i i think a little more often they could just clear out a side mm-hmm. and get De'Aaron and domas in a pick and roll and that'll happen you know a couple times throughout the course of the game but more often than not it's just this free-flowing read and react offense very few iso pick and roll kind of just rarely mixed in there if you see it it's probably like after a timeout right right right, right. so mostly they're going to make those guys run you know, they're going to make the and and Nas is cat, cat too. like cat has exceeded expectations in his ability to do that. That was like biggest red flag for me with the permanent move to the four uh, for cat. But to his credit, it's well, he's not great at it, but it's better than I thought it would be. And then Nas is like just good at it. Like I actually remember right before he got hurt last year, they, they played the Kings and he was guarding and chasing Kevin Herter. And I was like, he's fine. Like, yeah. he was he was fine. And that, that has kind of, he re, you know, recovered from the injury, came back this year. And, like, Nas can guard wings now, which, you know, seems crazy in the, like, thought that he came into the league as a center. But he just doesn't play center anymore. I mean, he's he's more a three to me than he is a five um, these days. And, it and like, that sounds like a bad thing. But it's, it's really been an advantageous thing for them, though. The Kings, I think, of all the playoff opponents are going to be the team that can pick at that more than anything. And I, if it is a playoff matchup, like, I think Brown will need to let go of some of the... Finch is the same way. Like, Finch wants the random offense flow. It's a low play set type thing. But I think the Wolves have to do that as well in the playoffs. Again, similarly, and they do it a lot more than, than Domas and Fox do. But clear the empty corner, side pick and roll with... Um, with Conley and, and Gobert there, like I think this is a matchup where both Brown and Finch need to drill into the obvious areas of weakness that their offenses can pretty obviously um, exploit on the other end. So if it is a Kings Wolves series in the first round, it's that test for cat right away. And it's an, it's an opportunity, man. It's an opportunity to, you know, kind of shut some people up, um, do well enough, defensively there and then punish on the other side of the floor because that that's the other side of this coin too right it's like cool you got to cat's got to chase you on the other end but he's also 6 11 250 you got to guard right. him you know right. going go to the basket there uh what else concerns you about uh, a matchup here i mean i i think in general with the kings and this is kind of overarching I, I think they're really just as good as they're, they're going to go as far as deer and fox takes them and I think that's on both ends of the floor, really. He sets the tone defensively, you know, pick it up full court and being extremely disruptive. He wants to average two Harden, steals dude, this year. Oh, dude. Harden. And that was awesome. like a mad Fox. When you that get was. mad Fox, it, he's on another level. But um, huge jump as a three-point shooter this year. Just ridiculous jump. And in that process, though, I think that he also kind of went away from the mid-range a little bit too much. And, mm-hmm. I, and again, I think that's just part of the process here. This is the year he's taken the jump as a shooter. And last five, 10 games, you've seen him go back to that mid-range a little bit more. And I think that would be big in this series. You know, we, mm-hmm. we talk about that 
that drop if that's coming off a DHO, DHO and different things like this, um, or being able to take a guy off the dribble. Jaden McDaniels always does a great job on Fox, by the way. Length seems to be one of the things that bothers him a little bit more. But I, I think that him finding ways to score, and I, I really think that mid-range is going to be big. Obviously, the rim deterrent of Gobert, but finding ways to get paint touches, whether that's scoring in the mid-range with him and Malik, and again, either scoring from there or making plays, finding ways to to break through the perimeter, paint touches, it, it, I think is really big for Fox and Malik specifically. It's interesting you say Jaden does a, a great job on on Fox. Um, because I mean, Jaden's good against everybody. Like he's just one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. But I, when I think about the ways in which he gets got sometimes I actually think about Fox and Tyrese Maxey and it's just speed, you know, where, where Jaden, like, I mean, he's six eleven too. It's just, it's, he's got more body to move and it's not like he can't do it, but it's rare that a like a, even a step down speed wise from Maxey and Fox, like Jaden's fine. You know, those are kind of, the, I mean, I'm sure there's a couple other guys I could put up there that can kind of burn past him. And I think, Two, like I've been, I mean, we've been talking about all year about just kind of the some of the dumbness surrounding the Rudy and the playoffs sort of thing, and you're like, oh, Rudy defending in space, like this is this is such a problem. Look at Utah or whatever, like that. That's I actually think Rudy might be the Wolves' best isolation defender. Like if it's just four low, spread it out, go guard the guy. Like Rudy's great at it. It's it's one of the most crazy like. Weird, it's, you guys have so the Timberwolves have so many options. It's ridiculous. Like I, you, know, you know, you sit here and talk about Rudy and then or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jaden, Nikhil, and the Kings are like, you know, Keegan's good. After that, <laughs> uh. Yeah, right, right, right. No, that this is a good reminder. It's it's they there is a embarrassment of riches in in perimeter defenders that that the Wolves have, which is going to make it hard for Herder. It's like gonna be it's gonna be tough for Barnes in right. tomorrow night and, and in that that series even it'll probably be tough for Monk because he's you know he I mean I love Malik Monk but he's a level down from Fox obviously um in, in that sort of way I am though like that's one of my concerns is just the speed of Fox being able to get by McDaniels and Gobert in 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 those situations he is one of the few that I'm like yeah he can beat you up the dribble even Rudy and get enough distance there where he can go finish without Rudy being able to kind of retreat back and pin that, which he's going to do against 98% of point guards in the NBA that he, he gets there. That's, that's a, that's a weapon um, to, to me in, in that, in this matchup with the, the Kings and Wolves. Yeah. And I really think Fox is just really one of the best, better players in the league. Like when, when he's at his best, he's right up there. You know, we talked about the OKC series earlier. Like, I pointed to Chet and and Domas because I, I don't think that SGA and Fox are that far apart. It's consistency that obviously is a big difference, and that's not nothing, obviously, throughout yeah. the course of a regular season. Um, kind of the big difference between star and superstar, right? right. But when De'Aaron is at his best, he can absolutely take over a game. I, I think another big thing for him this year has been limiting turnovers, and that's probably where I would point out with McDaniels a little bit, mm -hmm. right? is that the length does seem to bother him at times, okay. whether that or a Lou Dort, for example. 
Um, Kings have lost all three games. Fox had at least five turnovers or two and eight when he has four plus. If he has less than two, they're 10 and two. And, you know, Domas has that playmaking ability, but it's so much different when it's coming from the perimeter and breaking down players and then making moves from there. Um, So I I think that De'Aaron definitely, I don't look at it as like, oh, McDaniels is going to shut him down. De'Aaron is going to get his. I think Mm -hmm. that's just the nature of how good of a player he is. Um, But what's the shot diet going to be between mid-range and three-point shots? And, And for what it's worth, I feel great about his threes at this point. Um, of the season but really I I think that he is just simply good enough that he's able to get his against whoever he wants but these length guys that manage to turn him over and I heard you on a previous pod talking about how nobody has good transition defense it's true but the king there is really bad transition defenses and I think the kings fall into that yeah it it is interesting that like the wolves can offer the length option on him and they can kind of throw the dort option at him too with Ant, you know, and that that's just what they do. I mean, because they do have so many different options. It's like that's what's gonna be tough for Fox. Is be, he's gonna be like, all right, I like, I figured out Jaden, or got two fouls on Jaden. That happens all the time. I was like, okay, here comes to Key Alexander Walker. Like, you know, he's going to chase the shit out of you, you know, or right. or Ant is gonna get up into him there. Even you know, even like a Kyle. There's just there's a lot of different looks that they are going to be able to throw at Fox. And that's what this is, I think, is going to come down to a lot, is which one of the, how many of those frustrate him? And and how long does that, like, frustration extend? Is it going to be, like, one bad quarter? Is it going to cost him a game completely? Is it going to cost him multiple games over the course of the series? I, I, I like, I put it down, like, Kings kind of go as far as Fox does in general, and I would say in, in this series, too, because he's going... I mean, De'Aaron Fox probably just going to need to be the best player in the series if the yeah. Wolves or if they beat the Wolves in in a in a playoff series. That's yeah, that's that that's probably going to be it. And the minutes where Fox sits, I think, are going to be huge because I would go to Malik Monk at that backup one. Mm-hmm. They haven't done that very often this year. They started doing it. A, they did it a little bit in Denver last night with no Fox, but it's Davion Mitchell that's getting thrown out there, and teams could care less about him from the perimeter. Like yeah. it, it is, it's extreme to that point. And if I, that, I don't know uh, if I don't know if he'll be able to play, because I don't they'll, think they'll put Gobert on either. him, and yeah. they will just that he'll just and, and really like the Kings have seven guys that I think I feel good about, you know. And then you could throw Alex yeah. Len in there, like eight. Yeah, but eight. We're, we're not putting Alex Len into the feeling good category. Right, exactly. We're like he's a body that might fair be a body, and <laughs> you even, know, like, even Trey Lyles is that seventh where I'm like, all right, yeah. I feel okay, but any given night, you never really know. You could even point at some of the starters. Last night, Kevin Herter plays less than 20 minutes because, like we talked about, he, he's just yeah. getting attacked out there. Harrison Barnes isn't aggressive. or You can't rely on Keegan every single night. And, and that's what makes this Kings team so inconsistent and tricky in my mind is that you know what you're getting from Sabonis every single night. More often than not, you know what you're getting from Fox, even though there's some variance in between there. After that, it really have no clue. They want it to be Keegan, and sometimes it is, but it... it not in year two, you don't feel comfortable consistently relying on that right now. Yeah, you, you you take away a little bit of the concerns of depth in you know a playoff series, maybe more than you do tomorrow night. You know, right? Like right. it's a regular season game. Um, but yeah, like the Wolves are significantly deeper than than the Kings are, and that doesn't not matter 
in 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 a playoff series, you know, especially like, when the Kings want to run like crazy. Yeah, that's it. That's a good point. Today's show is brought to you by Doer D U E R. You've all heard me talk about how much I love my Doer jeans. They're legit. My favorite pants to wear. I've got the no sweat pant in the relaxed fit. Have those in black. I will probably wear them to the game tonight. They're that type of pants where you got them because they're stylish, but they're also your most comfortable pair of pants. So you just wear them all the time because they're comfortable. Those no sweat pants were voted the number one best gift for business travels by USA Today. Again, thanks to the comfort of a pair of sweatpants, but with the clean finish of a pair of khakis or chinos, Doer makes stretch performance denim and lifestyle apparel, not just for men, but also for women with elevated styles that stand apart. They're made from natural fibers for high stretch and that breathability and the temperature regulating fabrics keep you cool and dry. Trust me, you need Doer in your wardrobe. Order your new favorite jeans today. Check out Doer's flagship stores in LA or Denver or shop online at shopduer.com slash Dane Moore. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off site-wide when you use my special URL, shopduer.com slash Dane Moore. Don't wait to get 15% off now. Go to shopduer.com slash Dane Moore. Today's show is brought to you by Factor Meals, and I'm excited to again be doing Factor. I remember back in 2020, I did factor they weren't a sponsor of the show or anything. It was just the pandemic. And I was so sick of cooking myself uh, three meals a day at home. I wanted a nutritional meal. I didn't want to cook it myself. And I wanted it quick. I found factor. Uh, it's cool. They're a, a sponsor now because they're uh, meals that take two minutes to make. But they come out restaurant quality food and they're ready just to be heated up whenever I'm ready to eat. Factor for me is the perfect a solution for fast upscale eating options. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to eat and eat. So there's no prep, no cooking, no cleanup needed. Oh, and the smoothies are really good. If you try this out, throw some smoothies in your cart. Head to factormeals.com slash Danemore50 and use Danemore50 to get 50% off. That's code Danemore50 at factormeals.com slash Danemore50 to get 50% off. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
Last thing uh, I, I have for you. Um, I, I don't even know if this is true, but this is what stands out to me is like, so, so the wolves, they're big, right? And the whole thing for two years has been like, we're big. We're going to stay big. They need to, like, opponents need to adjust to our play style. If they go small, we'll not, we're not going small. We stay big. And they do. Like, that's, they've done that for two years. I feel like Mike Brown does the opposite. Like, I, I feel like he's not afraid to match up with the opponent's play style, you know, and, and go small at, at times and go, you know, go Lyles at the five. Like, it, it feels like, and maybe he's just like, I'm limited. I don't have a lot of depth. I don't have a lot of defenders. Like, we need to play whatever style gives us the best chance to win in a, a given game. My question first is, one, is that true? And two, like, that would be helpful to employ in a playoff series, correct? Yeah, I, I think that we've seen it previously. Again, the Trey Lyles, like, coming out game at him at the back of five was in Minnesota last year, specifically with Rudy. But, and then you saw it in the postseason as well, but that's where, you know, maybe Sarich is the backup five for, for Golden State. Or a lot of times we've seen it this year, it has been matching the other team's small ball lineup of, like I mentioned, mm. Golden State or Obi okay. Toppin, you know, with Indiana, Tice with the Clippers. And I've actually thought that, you know, maybe you could lean into that a little bit more. But I think it is, again, Mike Brown is so focused on we have to be better defensively for the postseason. And he seems to not want to be a guy that's like, you know, let's just fully commit to we have to win this game with our offense. And that there's so much variability and unpredictability with offense that he doesn't feel great doing that. But I do think sometimes you need to lean into that. And I think if we got to a postseason series, he's definitely tries a lot of things you can very much tell when he's searching for an answer which yeah. i'm sure would happen throughout the course of the series and at some point i think the you would go to all right let's try trey here let's let's try to make sure that we can perform offensively and hope that we can muck up the game defensively get some turnovers try to get them into tough iso shots and things like that so i i think that it would but they, come they up can't, they but can't it might take a into that they can't click into that for like a whole game because then they can't play Sabonis. Sabonis right. can't be part of small ball. Right. And that's where that, like the Clippers, you know, for the Wolves Clippers or whatever. And again, Wolves have kind of smoked the Clippers, but the Clippers can and very well might game one, you know, come out with like Kawhi's the five. Right. And, and you go that, that could work, you know, I, with the Kings, it's just like, we're talking about like 12 minutes. Yeah. And, and to that end, I don't think that's gonna like, I mean, it could, it could send the wolves into one of their negative spirals, right? It could maybe win you a game, but I think if the wolves get knocked out of the playoffs by small ball, it will be by a team who can do it the whole time, you totally. know, or 36 minutes versus 12 of them. And to that end and to the Brown point of sort of matching up to the opponent, I think it will be them leaning into going bigger, which now involves Alex Len, who, you know, a lot of probably a lot of Wolves fans are like, completely rolling their eyes at. Like he's turned into a competent backup five. But you're not loving that in, in the playoffs. If one of your if your answer is to match up with this team is bringing right. in minimum contract or whatever Alex Len to, you know, to, to be one of the, the answers. I'm curious. That's what I'm curious tomorrow night is like, 
how they try to match the Wolves, you know, because I think that's what they'll do. They're not going to, they're obviously going to start Sabonis, right? So what are their, what are their options other than going small? Because that's sort of going to be the path forward. And at that point, it's just like, hope the offense is great, right? Like that, yeah, that's really, yeah, that, I think that's what it comes down to. And that's the flaw of this team, you know, and, the Kings will, or you can point to Denver a lot about how they built out their roster, right? Of, you know, early in the process, they're starting Will Barton and yeah. Paul Millsap. And it's like, okay, I kind of see that with Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herter right now. Or you go back to, to Minnesota a few years ago. And sure. it's funny that now we get to talk about the Gobert trade as if maybe this wasn't horrible. Yeah. Considering, <laughs> you know, I feel like every year I see you in summer league, we're talking about like how wild the last season was for each one of our teams and it's just polar Correct. opposites they make <laughs> no sense you can never right. predict what's going to happen here um but they do lack a versatility like mm -hmm. that and even you go to the bench like Chris Duarte has been playing well recently I think that he does provide some things defensively yeah but there's an offensive trade-off obviously he can be a little trigger happy um with some of his shots not a great decision maker and that's sort of part of the flaw here is when you have this free-flowing offense you need quick decision makers mm. and even having one that's not, will just totally throw off the offensive flow. You see it with Davion Mitchell. Sometimes Chris Duarte, like I mentioned, and it's tough to find guys that do that and also excel on the defensive end and have good size. Like right. Mike Brown is constantly hinting at or complimenting other teams size or saying, you know, our three point defense, it, like we have He's to like, do this Monte, considering Monte, our size. Are, are you listening to this press conference? Right. They exactly. The signals. Yeah. That, I mean, that's what, you know, it's going to come. And if we don't even want to say the wolf, cause maybe rule the wolves out. Cause they're not quote unquote proven or whatever, but it's like Denver, you know, ultimately the Kings aren't going to need to find a different and better version of themselves before they're ready to compete with the elite teams in the Western Conference. There's too many there's too many holes right now to probably make that type of deep deep run. And I don't think like they're better than a normal eighth seed. Like that yeah. kind of sucks for the Wolves honestly. Like a normal year would be like you get like Houston in the eight, you know? Right. That's a total like the Wolves probably sweep that series. I think the Wolves lose a couple times, probably the Kings, if that's the 1-8, you know, or 2-7 or whatever it is. And that is because, it's not because the, the Kings are a, a perfect team, but I do believe there is some Sabonis kind of in pick and roll on the roll going at Gobert um, that could give the Wolves some problems there. And who else do, who else can the Wolves put on Sabonis other than Gobert? I, I, right. I mean, maybe you try Cat and have Rudy lurk off of, Mitchell or if they present that there but if the shooters I like, can't really do that it's kind of got to be Gobert and Sabonis I do have a little bit of those concerns about uh, Fox's speed um, just because it's something I've seen you know them them hurt them with Cat needing to chase like th these are a lot of when we've been talking over the course of the season doing you know big picture fears for the Wolves that's kind of it and and the harassing passing lanes turnovers like the Kings can do a lot of the things that the wolves are bad at they can poke at those things but ultimately they're going to need they just don't match up talent wise you know or at least a depth of, of talent there which leads me all to kind of believe if ultimately 
the Wolves struggled in this series or lost it, it would be more so them shooting themselves in the foot than it would be like, all right, the Kings just beat them, you know? Like, I, I, I but I, it would be more, com- I think it'll be more competitive than a normal 1 8 series might be. I think so too. And I think that it would be big to obviously like capitalize on those mistakes. And you got to sort of push Minnesota into making those mistakes. Mm-hmm. And when the Kings play good defense, like when, when they are engaged and locked in, they can put out an okay product mm-hmm. on that end of the floor. They play very physical. I think the rotations, the guys are are getting more accustomed to it. The closeouts could use a little bit of of cleaning up, and that's going to be tough, especially against a guy like Cat and Jaden McDaniels, this ridiculous length that we just keep talking about, obviously. <laughs> um, but, you know, when they do lock in, they look like a very solid around middle of the pack defensive team. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm how- impressed. I'm impressed by the effort, man. I will say yeah. that like it's popping in and, you know, I've watched a lot this week, but just even over the course of the season, I'm like, and, and maybe like sometimes it's one of those where you're, you're a little too close to it. Like from afar, I'm like, all right, like I have a respect for, for the Kings defense that I absolutely did not have uh, a year ago. It's very sporadic. And like you see it with Keegan, pretty consistently Keegan's been so good by the way like again he I would be shocked if he's not the guy placed on Anthony Edwards but like he's getting placed on Steph Curry on Devin Booker on Paul George and it's not like he's locking these guys down but he's making them work and in year two or coming out of year one I never would have thought that would have been the case and again that's just so many reps playing one-on-one with maybe the fastest guy in the league yeah you know Uh, that that really pays off there so they have their moments De'Aaron can be an elite defender and as disruptive as it gets when he's locked in. But if he has a heavy offensive responsibility in this series, which would probably be the case, obviously, how much can you also output on the defensive end? So I think when the Kings are at their best, they would absolutely make it a series. Mm. And with effort being, you know, waning a bit throughout the course of the season, I would like to think that wouldn't be a concern in the postseason. Yeah, but you never really know. Keegan's going to get a max, man. I think so. And that's that's their timeline here in my mind. Like, you better get another guy before Keegan goes on to that next contract. I mean, because it's you know, Wolves fans aren't going to like to hear this, you know, turn this off. But like Keegan Murray's better than Jade McDaniels. Like, that's not even like I mean, just the the two way uh, ability of yeah. it, like. He had 40. Fun. He had 47 and made 11 straight threes earlier this year. Yeah. And he didn't in the. Was it the heat? No, no, it wasn't the heat. It was a Clippers game, wasn't he? Like six of seven. Then he took like a heave at the end. One of the games, yes. he was like seven for seven. He took a heave and missed like one three. That was like all us. I mean, he's a, I, I'd say that to mean like Jaden is at this like 25 a year, 25 mil a year level. And given that Keegan's defense is not as good as Jaden, but he's a good, he's a really good perimeter defender, defensive player, plus the offense. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's going to be up there 30. I mean, it's, it's not this summer, right? That they're going to extension be next summer. No, yeah, this is year two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and offensively too, I think that, like we said earlier, like we're talking about De'Aaron Malik in the mid range. I, I think that Keegan would be really big in that too. You mm-hmm. need a guy that's going to try to just make something happen here. You need, who, he's their third guy long-term, obviously. It's just right now have that mindset going into these games. And I think that would get hounded going into the playoffs. And I think that he would end up getting up a lot of shots in yeah. a series. 
No, absolutely. He's the one. And, you know, tomorrow night, listeners, whatever, we'll, we'll watch this. So Keegan has leveled up like that. That yeah. is that I probably should have talked about that a little bit more. That is a that is a scary factor. Another thing to put in the like Kings kind of have this um, there, too. Thought this was awesome, man. Um, I'm excited for the the game tomorrow night. It's a cool weekend for the Wolves. They got the, the Kings and Clippers, which is weird, man. Covering a good team now, you're like, oh, man, the Grizzly, I don't know, Grizzlies game or something like that. And then on the other end, <laughs> when you play in a good team, which I, I'm putting the Kings up there, but like a team that challenges you, it's uh, these are the ones that like, I think for Wolves fans, like if you care about the, you know, the playoffs and where this team is going, like these are the ones to watch, right? Like the the Kings and the the Clippers, I'm 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 excited uh, for this weekend. They kind of need to play a, a a good team. They just get a little sleepy against the the Spurs and Grizzlies. But I'm excited to watch. Um, y'all can uh, follow Brendan Nunez on on Twitter at Brendan Nunez NBA. Um, read his work over at Sacktown Sports. King's Pulse is back. What's what's going on? Give it plug, is. plug it away. It is. Yeah, King's Pulse podcast is back. Uh, took a little break as I got settled into the new job this year, but back at it man yeah i'm i'm uh i'm excited it's been it's been a fun year you know this is still yeah. part of the process it was as minnesota fans know it was a long time in sacramento too with no postseason so yeah. they're still in a good spot long term it's just i think they're you know maybe a step behind in the process for a team like minnesota for example which again is funny because i remember saying the exact same thing but opposite to you at last summer yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a tough conference dude it's tough i was thinking about that with the grizzlies last night too i'm like yeah, the Grizzlies are nothing right now, but you know if they oh they get a lottery they, pick, they get Jaw back, they get Marcus back. Like I mean, now they're up back, kind of in the probably the Nuggets, Wolves, Thunder. Yep. Uh, who am I missing? Clippers uh, group up there. Like West is no joke, and I don't think that's gonna change anytime soon. It makes this Kings team be like, oh, you know, Wolves fans are gonna look at the standings. Maybe I haven't seen the Kings in a month or so, and be like, oh, AC, like this is not like. It's just a Western Conference where they might be the A seed, but they're probably the quality of team that's we more think of as like a four or five seed historically in the West. So I think it'll be a challenge. Um, I'm excited uh, to, to watch that game tomorrow and maybe we'll get a playoff series. See you out in Sacramento. Maybe we will see. Um, yeah. Darren Fox TBD for tomorrow for what it's worth. Left yeah, what? Conclusions. So I didn't watch the Denver game. Why didn't he play? He played in the he, Miami. He banged knees in early in that Miami game. Actually, I think it was uh, around like the three minute mark of the first or second quarter, um, and then was hobbling a little bit. Finished the game, but then, uh, yeah, okay. went through, you know, shoot around, warm up, and everything last night in Denver. So TBD for did Monk for start then? They started Davion. Yeah, they just want to keep Monk. In the they game. are yes. He Coach Brown has said before it's harder to replace what. Yeah, Malik does off the bench, then, you know, maybe find somebody to fill into that starting spot. He's short Nas Reed, man. Or Nas yeah. Reed is tall Malik Monk. I honestly think those two players are like weirdly That's similar. Funny. And, and yeah. you wouldn't think of it. I, and, you know, Monk's going to win six man of the year, but Nas is going to be on that ballot too. Similar, similar sort of roles. Whatever. I can talk to you about the Kings all day. Um, but he's Brendan Nunes. Uh, you're following him on Twitter at Brendan Nunes. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Um, until tomorrow with Kyle. Yeah. He's Brendan. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops. Yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you